like that. You want to try that. Hello, welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I know I am as surprised as you are that there is a show today. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, before we get into the oh, my goodnesses of today's show, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. The Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. YouTube and Facebook, the search Logan Blackman Show. They should pop up. Subscribe, follow both of them. Watch a few videos on YouTube. Click on a few blog posts on Facebook. Check out the LoganBlackmanShow.com where you can access the latest three episodes of the podcast. And you can check out blog posts. You can check out our merge. You can check out all of that stuff. But of course, and most importantly, make sure you are following and or subscribed to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. You're listening to the show right now. Okay? That's all I really need. The only way you know what I'm saying right now is if you're listening to the show. So if you're listening to the show right now, push down on the little thing, exit the player while still listening, of course, and just make sure you're following and or subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you have an Android, make sure you're on, on Spotify. If you're on Apple phone or tablet or whatever, Make sure you're subscribed on both. Download Spotify just to rate, leave a rating. I don't care if you have Apple Music and all that kind of stuff. You don't need Spotify. Just do it for both of them and leave a rating under five stars on both of them. Don't care if it's a one-star rating or a five-star rating. Your opinion is greatly appreciated. And, of course, leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Now, what the hell did I just watch on Saturday? Oh my goodness, like for what I watched on Saturday, that was not the reason we weren't going to have a show. So for today, I was planning on recording and editing and then posting the 2022 NFL season preview, but things have gotten in the way. This has been a pretty busy week, so I haven't really had time to record it, so we're going to try and record it on on Labor Day, on Labor Day. So we're going to try and record on them, we're going to try and get it out before Thursday. I don't know yet if I'm going to split it up into two videos like I did last year. I think that makes the most sense, but it's going to be hard to, to record and edit two videos before Thursday. Because for those of you who are aware, the first NFL game of the season takes place this Thursday between the Bills and Rams. A, pre, a possible Super Bowl preview. We've had a lot of fantasy football drafts this week, had a wedding. We've had all these different things that have gone on that have kept me from recording that episode. So I, I greatly apologize for the delay on the NFL season preview, but we are here for a show since that's not recorded yet. And I could realistically be recording it right now, but I also wanted to put something out for Monday if I wasn't going to have any, just something. Didn't matter if it was a video or if it was going to be the podcast or whatever. I just wanted to put something out. Now, my motivation for recording a podcast for Monday has dwindled to a certain extent because of the fact I am emotionally and physically drained from Saturday. And for those of you unaware of who, what teams I support on the college level, I support the Iowa Hawkeyes and the UNI Panthers. I went to UNI for two and a half years. I supported Iowa from when I was born up until I went to UNI. Because remember, if you didn't go to the school, if you didn't go to the, te- the school you cheered for your entire life, you can no longer be a fan of them. That's how that works. Doesn't matter if you supported one school for 20-something years. You went to one school for two and a half years. You're no longer allowed to support the school you grew up cheering for. And watching Saturday, I wish I could do that because good freaking Lord. What the hell did I just watch? And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about or had the 
the gracious opportunity to avoid watching such a football game? Iowa versus South Dakota State. Now, we told you for Saturday show, because remember we did a Saturday show, not a Friday show, to bet the under, to bet on South Dakota State. There was no way Iowa was covering 15.5 points, especially the first line that they came out with, which was like 21.5 or something like that. There was no way Iowa was covering that. I don't care how good Iowa was last year. Like, they went to the Big Ten Championship and all that stuff. They're not going to cover against South Dakota State, who was a very competitive and very talented FCS opponent who has been to a national championship, who has made it far in the FCS playoffs. I don't care that they're the FCS. I do not care. That does not matter to me. If you can play, you can play. And with Iowa and how awful their offense was last year, a lot of people subscribed themselves to the fact that, oh, the offense can't be as bad as it was last year, can it? It can't be that much worse. Where I think there was a stretch where Iowa scored one end offensive touchdown in like six weeks or something like that. I could be wrong about that. Like the bowl game was the first touchdown they scored on offense in forever. I don't remember the exact length of time. But good Lord, that was one of the most boring, one of the most docile games I've ever sat, had the miss, miss, what do you call it? The miss, whatever, <laughs> the misfortune of sitting through. Thankfully, I had a wedding to go to in the afternoon, so I had to leave town right after the third quarter, really. So I didn't need, I didn't have to subject myself to that torture anymore. This game, for those of you who are unaware, finished with a final score of 7-3. to three. And when you think of 7 in football, you think of a touchdown and an extra point. No, no, no. This is Iowa we're talking about here. This was a field goal and two safeties. A field goal and two safeties. The best thing that happened on that field on Saturday was the punting unit. Tory Taylor, you freaking animal. Love myself some Tory Taylor. But not like that. Because I know I defended South Dakota State to a certain extent. Where an FCS school, you can play, you can play, and doesn't matter what level you are. Which I agree to that. Because I just said it earlier. I was supposed to be one of the top programs in college football. In the FBS level. Not even just the FBS level. Top college football program. They just went to a conference championship game. I know South Dakota State's competitive, and I didn't think Iowa would cover this game, but I didn't think it'd be like that. I didn't think I'd have to sit through and watch a 7-3 football game where four points were scored off safeties. Iowa also missed a field goal earlier in the game as well. Iowa's defense looks as good as advertised. They looked really, really solid. Iowa's offense is arguably worse. Now, I am on, I am aware before anybody comes out and defending Iowa, I am aware they didn't have Johnson, they didn't have Ganey, they didn't have Gavin Williams. I'm fine. That's okay. I understand that. Petrus does not even look like a... I don't, I don't know the people... If there's people that are still defending Spencer Petrus, I would love to shake their hand because I would love to know what kind of supplements they're taking to blind themselves from the fact that this is one of the worst quarterbacks in the history of Iowa football. And Iowa has had, though they've had success throughout their history, they have had some bad quarterbacks. And I think the conversation needs to actually start being had because I don't really hear it that often. Like Jake Christensen, to almost every single Iowa fan, because every Iowa fan's got their, every fan in general's got their preferences on who's the worst and who's the best. But until Petrus came to town, I think the general consensus, I bet if you pulled 99 percent of Iowa fans, 
they would say Jake Christensen is the worst quarterback in Iowa history. Jake Christensen was a quarterback for a team that went 6-6. Six and six. He replaced Drew Tate, one of the greatest Iowa quarterbacks. He was sandwiched between two of the greatest Hawkeye quarterbacks of all time, Drew Tate and Ricky Stanzi. And Jake Christensen, in his one and only season being the unquestioned starter, went 6-6 six and six and lost to Western Michigan on senior day. Western Michigan. I would bet money that I I could ima- I would imagine that South Dakota State could beat Western Michigan. And they beat them on senior day. It wasn't like some start of the year thing. Like I've seen Iowa lose to Central Michigan before, but it wasn't on senior day. It's like the third game of the season. Not senior day. And then Jake Christian went in the next season, and Kirk Ferentz had to do something that he never does and actually embrace competition with the quarterbacks. Like I love Kirk Ferentz. I love Kirk Ferentz, and depending on who you ask, he's the greatest coach in Iowa history. To me, he's the greatest coach in Iowa history, but I was not around when Hayden Fry was the head coach of Iowa. So obviously, I have my personal biases towards that. I've watched a a bunch of great Hawkeye football teams under Kirk Ferentz. The Orange Bowl team, the Rose Bowl team, up until the Rose Bowl game. I've, I've watched some really good Iowa football teams. I've seen some good quarterbacks in my time. Petrus is one of the worst quarterbacks, not just in Iowa one of the worst quarterbacks I've watched at one of these big-time programs that's supposed to be competing for conference titles, division titles, and winning bowl games. I've never I've never been subjected to quarterback play like this since Jake Christensen. And Jake Christensen got benched after his first year as a starter, and even then it took him a few weeks to get fully benched for Ricky Stanzi because Kirk Ferentz, though I, just, though I love Kirk Ferentz, there's not a lot of Iowa fans that would discredit Kirk Ferentz or say they hate Kirk Ferentz. There's obviously some of them like that love Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz is pushing his legacy as the greatest Iowa coach of all time. But one thing I cannot stand about Kirk Ferentz is his blind loyalty to the starting quarterback. When I was a kid, I watched people boo Drew Tate. Drew Tate, one of the greatest Iowa quarterbacks of all time. Possibly, probably number two on the all-time list right behind Chuck Long. Drew Tate, like we joke about last last show or a few shows ago, Drew Tate was him at Iowa. Ricky Stanzi was also one of those guys. C.J. Beathard was one of those guys. I don't think C.J. Beathard was as good of a quarterback as the other two, but good Lord, there was nothing keeping C.J. Beathard out the football field, which is why he always had the respect of Iowa fans and was one of the few quarterbacks in Iowa that did not get booed at any point because of what he did in regards to staying on the field, put his body on the line for the betterment of the team. Like, almost Iowa fans are extremely fickle set of fans. It's more of a, what have you done for me lately versus what have you done for me all time? Because people will, for Iowa fans, and I've been to Iowa games, and I'm including myself in this to a certain extent, if you do something terrible, I remember Ricky Stanzi had an undefeated Iowa team, breaks his ankle against Northwestern. James Vandenberg throws four interceptions against Ohio State, because, but because Iowa almost won the game, people were calling for James Vandenberg to start over Ricky Stanzi. Ricky Stanzi. People were calling for Jake Christensen to start over Drew Tate. And James Vandenberg was the quarterback that replaced Ricky Stanzi after he left. Had a decent year, his first year as a starter. And then the next year, this is another example of Kirk Ferentz sticking with the starting quarterback through thick and thin. James Vandenberg and Iowa went 4-8. and 4-8. and eight. And not a single quarterback on Iowa's roster took a snap that season, apart from James Vandenberg. Not, I'm not even saying like Neil, like Neil Downs included. 
No one attempted a pass. No one took a snap apart from James Vandenberg that season. They went four and eight. Four and eight. In Iowa against South Dakota State, a team they should beat by double digits, not by 15 and a half, but at least by 10, which is what we had. 27 to 17 was our score prediction. Good Lord. We're even close to that. And they're still going to stick with Pete. I, I understand that Padilla might not be the answer long-term, but he can't be much worse. Like I remember when they named Petrus the official starter, there, there was an article that said, Spencer Petrus gives us the best chance to be successful, gives us a better chance at being successful. So that's just either you're blind to the fact that Petrus is so terrible or Padilla is one of the worst quarterbacks of all time. Like Alex Labas cannot be worse than this. I refuse to believe that anybody is worse than what we have watched. Like I've never seen a quarterback who's been, this is his third year as the starter. This is he's going into his third season as the starter at Iowa. I've never seen a quarterback go into three seasons and not look any different any single time. And I understand it was one game. I understand that. You're the quarterback of Iowa. You're not the quarterback of Central Michigan. When you're supposed to be the guy and you come in with all this hype, this dude broke all Jared Goff's passing records. That's all we heard when he accepted the scholarship offer to Iowa. Little did we know, the scholarship he accepted was one that was going to go to Zach Wilson. You know, a guy who was a Heisman finalist. You know, the guy who was drafted second overall in the NFL draft. Yeah, that guy. And then we got Petrus. Now, who knows? Maybe Zach Wilson would have been this atrocity of a quarterback had he been in Iowa's offensive system, which has not aged at all since 1999. They've had one quarterback that was quote-unquote fun, or two of them, two of them, Bethard and Brad Banks, that were not afraid to run around, that were not afraid to get hit. Every other quarterback Iowa's had, Drew Tate would run around too, but like Stanzi, Vandenberg, Stanley, Petrus, the difference between Petrus and the other guys we mentioned, like though Vandenberg had a bad, bad year, his season, his second season of the full-time star when they went four and eight, he never looked as shaky as P. I have no confidence in Petrus. This is going to start turning into a mutiny type thing like the Bills had when they kept trotting out Nathan Peterman. Like the Devons, like, we're not playing if he's the quarterback. I don't know how Phil Parker and the rest of the Iowa defense looks at the Iowa offense and goes, wow, we're geared up for success. The defense scored more points than the offense. Literally, two safeties. Forced two safeties, the punt unit and the defense. And again, we knew the defense was going to be really good for Iowa because they were really good last year, and Phil Parker always put out a really good defense. And though we knew that going into the season, why did we, and I'm including myself in this, expect anything different from the offense than what we saw the past however many years Brian Ferentz has been the, the offensive coordinator? or ever since Spencer Peters has been the quarterback at Iowa. They have never looked competent as a unit ever since those two guys have been the heads of the Iowa offense. I don't understand people that defend Petrus, that defend Brian Ferentz. I do not understand it at all. This is the worst offense in all of college football. And I'm including, like, really bad teams in the Sun Belt and Conference USA and teams like that. I'm including UConn and New Mexico. 
I bet their offenses, New Mexico State, I bet their offenses are at least somewhat more exciting than Iowa's. Like when I was a kid and I watched Drew Tate get booed, I almost cried. There is not a single kid in Kinnick Stadium on Saturday that cried or almost cried when Spencer Petrus was getting booed. And this is not, and I hate when people bring it to this. I'm not saying Petrus is a bad person. I don't, I'm not bringing any personal things into this. He can say, I'm bad at my job. I don't really care. It has no, I, nothing to do with me as a person. This is brutal. Like the defense, knew going into the season what the defense were going to be, but we had some expectation that the offense was going to be something different. We had no idea why, but you just have that belief that it just can't be worse than what it was last year. And surprise, surprise, it's been the same thing ever since Ference, Brian Ference and Spencer Peters have been together. Peters' feet have never calmed down. Peters has never looked comfortable. It doesn't matter how many years. He could be the starter for the next 100 years at Iowa, and he will never look comfortable running an offense. I don't know how the hell this dude broke Jared Goff's records. And for how many people like discount Jared Goff and don't think he's that great of a quarterback, dude has been a consistent starter in the NFL, has gone to a Super Bowl, has played through a destroyed thumb in the playoffs, has kept his starting job, though a team went one, what was it, three games last year? Four, three, four games? Jared Goff is a good quarterback. I'm not saying I would start my franchise with him and he will get replaced by someone younger eventually, but he is a solid quarterback. I have never once thought that of Spencer Peters at Iowa. He has an absolute cannon of an arm, but is the least accurate cannon I've ever seen in my entire life. When he cocks it back to throw, I'm expecting that ball to get overthrown by 20 to 25 yards. I've never seen so many teams, one team run so many tight end screens when their tight ends are not the Kyle Pitts of the world. I like Sam Laporta a lot. I think he's one of the top tight ends in the draft. But don't run tight end screens with him. That's not how he's been. And Iowa just couldn't run it. He couldn't hit screen plays. He couldn't hit slant. He He hit one slant route that he somehow fit between two defenders and one of the South Dakota State players got hurt. I don't know why that was the one play it looked like, oh, wow, that was actually kind of impressive. Like, the expectations are just for him to complete a pass. This dude put up the same numbers pretty much as Mark Gronowski, who hasn't played in over a year. And South Dakota State's defense, though they're good, Iowa who should be up there, one of the best teams in the Big Ten every single year, should not look as bad as what they did. I expected them to struggle at points. And I said in the game, and when we were talking about the game, that I expect Iowa to struggle early, and they did, but I expected them to start cooking it towards the fourth quarter. They didn't do that. They didn't do that at all. That was one of the most brutal games of football I've ever watched in my entire life. And I've watched a lot of bad football. I watched a lot, but between the Bills and the Hawkeyes, like when they went 4-8 and eight and 6-6 six and six with Jake Christensen, I've watched some bad football in my time. Not like that. And they won. They won the game. Does any Iowa fan out there feel like they won the game? And I, I would like to point, I would like to say this, though. 
though it sucks how it happened, a win is still a win. A win is still a win. Okay? But this team sucked. The offense was brutal. Like, Mark Gronowski went 10 for 26. Peters went 11 for 25. Peters has been the starter for Iowa for now. This is his third year. Gronowski missed all of last season. Like, I, I don't get it. And Gronowski didn't even turn the ball over. He got a safety, sure. But good Lord. I would love to meet the people that still do not, like, I, I hate these types of people. I absolutely despise these types of people. Not necessarily as individuals, but as their sports takes, which is different than them judging them as a person, okay? The people are like, we support them through thick and thin, thick and thin, which is fair. But that doesn't mean you can't criticize them. How can you watch that game on Saturday and go, yeah, I like the direction this offense is going. I'm really happy with how this offense looks right now. Like the Gazette, they posted an article that had a title Iowa victory, but with no O's in it. There's not an O in Iowa, there's not an O in victory. You want to know why? Because there was no O in the game. So why would they put O's in the newspaper? Like, I talked about this before the season started. about, And we'll get to Ohio State later and what happened on Saturday for them. But when I said they're going to get annihilated by Ohio State, I feel like that game, they might reach... If Iowa's defense is going to have to play the greatest game of all time because Iowa's offense is not going to do anything against Ohio State. Not a single thing against Ohio State. And if Iowa's defense does not come to play in that game which we know they will, but if they're not up to it, for whatever reason, that's going to be a 50-burger game. That is going to be one of the ugliest football games you'll ever watch. Michigan State, Ohio State last year. Remember that? That was That's what I'm feeling like is going to happen in that game. In the horseshoe? Good Lord. I know people outside of like Iowa, especially Iowa State fans, make fun of the fact that the Big Ten West is a lot easier or a lot easier to at least maneuver than the Big Ten East. I am so thankful Iowa's in the Big Ten West. I am so thankful they don't have to play Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State every year. They can rotate around those teams every once in a while because this team stinks. And the problem is Brian Ferentz is not going to get fired. And the thing that's even scarier, he's probably going to be the guy that replaces Kirk whenever Kirk decides to hang it up. That's the scary thing. That there is no real immediate end to what this offense is. Phil Parker, defense, beautiful. I love what you're doing. Punt unit, special teams, beautiful. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. But there's not an end in sight with this offense. I've brought this up on the show before. I just find it so interesting. Brian's only two jobs in coaching were under Belichick and Ferentz. Belichick hired Ferentz when he was in Cleveland. So that's another issue of getting a job that he's not qualified for. He was Drew Tate center at Iowa. He knows what a good offense is. Apparently not. (laughs) You would think he would. 
He was a part of an Iowa team. I believe he was the center for Drew Tate when they beat LSU in the Capital One Bowl. You wouldn't think that. Watch this type of offense. It's brutal. I understand being diehard fans of a team. I've watched, again, I've watched some bad football in my time. I've watched some bad football. I've never thought about really moving on from Iowa football ever. I grew up, but never really. I never have. Not never really. Never have thought about moving on from Iowa football. But that does not mean that they are exempt to criticism like this. If you sat there and said, like we talked about a little bit ago, and I like, I have to reiterate this. If you sat there on Saturday and sat down with yourself and said, I like the direction this offense is going, I see nothing wrong here. I cannot criticize this. You are freaking insane. I've never been this pissed off after a win. This has been th- going on three years now. And the stupid part is, since I was in the Big Ten West, like we said before, a pretty maneuverable conference, side of the conference, they're probably going to win eight, nine games this year. And fans are going to be like, well, they won eight, nine games with this offense. And this is going to be more examples of why there's no reason to panic. And I'm not looking forward to it. This is the first time in my life I've actually wished Iowa to go under 500. So there could be some sort of change with this offense so people can wake up. For those of you who are still hanging on to the fact that this offense can do something that we can't criticize them, I am just waiting for that moment when Iowa starts going bad. And I say that in jest, tongue-in-cheek. I don't actually wish that. But it's something that would not really upset me because that would mean change is in the offing. At some, maybe not, maybe not. You know what? You know I, I forget it. Forget it. <laughs> there's, there's probably no reason for me to get upset because I, it's not changing. It's not changing. They've already announced Peters is remaining the starter. So, um, and they're playing Iowa State. The only thing I've got saving grace here is that they haven't lost Iowa State in six years. First year in Kinnick in four years, I believe. It's the only positive thing I can take away from that. But there's the thing that Matt Campbell has to beat Iowa at some point. They have never looked more prime for the taking than this year. <laughs> oh, my God. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Iowa's defense, you're going to have to play your asses off. You're going to have – there's a movie, for those of you who are unaware, there's a movie called Second String. It was one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid. We got the movie at Toys R Us, of all places. It is a Buffalo Bills movie, so Doug Flutie and the starters – for the Bills, get food poisoning from some bad oysters and have to miss the playoffs. So the Bills' offense is all gone. So the Bills' offense is now, as the title says, second string. They bring in Dan Heller to come in to be the starter. And, oh, what's his name? Angelina Jolie's dad. What's his name? I, I'm completely forgetting. What, I'm not going to look it up because it's not really that important right now. Is it John Voigt? Is it John Voigt? Regardless, Angelina Jolie's, Angelina Jolie's dad's the head coach of the Bills. And he walks up to the defense and says, "You okay, guys, today, you're going to be both defense and offense. And then when he goes up to the offense, he goes, I'd rather take, I'd rather uh, punt the ball away and play it safe than turn it over. <laughs> That's what I believe the Iowa way is going to be the entire year. The defense is going to have to play defense and offense. And we're going to punt when given the chance because we don't want to turn it over and get our defense in a bad spot. 
That's how I'm picturing the rest of the season for Iowa. And that's how they're going to have to play against Iowa State. Because though Iowa State played against SEMO on Saturday, they still looked good. They still looked good. Hunter Deckers looked really good. 25 or 31, 293, four touchdowns. Had 11 yards on the ground as well. Tyreel Brock looked awesome. There's a cut play that he had that was beautiful. One of those stop-start jukes, beautiful. Xavier Hutchinson, three touchdowns. And we knew Southeast, Southeast Missouri State's not a good football team. We knew that going in. We said 38-14 to 14 for Iowa State, SEMO. It was 42-10. to 10. So, I mean, it's not too far off of what the score prediction was. But, yeah, I've never been more fearful for an Iowa State game. Like, there were portions of last year, like before the season started last year, there were Iowa fans that were like, hey, if we go 1-1 one one out of the first two games, they played Indiana and Iowa State the first two games, if they go 1-1, one one, that would be successful. That would be seen as a moral victory for Iowa. If they went one and one throughout those two games. Because Indiana was ranked in the top 20. I believe they were number 20. They were 20 or 19, and Iowa was 19 or 20. I don't remember which one they were. And Iowa State, I think, was ranked seventh. I think. I could be wrong. Like, that was the moral victories. Like, oh, if you come away with one of those wins. Expectations for Iowa last year were not necessarily at the highest point. I don't think a lot of people were expecting them to go to a Big Ten championship game when the season started. But again, there I could be wrong. There could be someone out there that thought Iowa was going to go to the Big Ten championship last year. And then they came out and beat Iowa State and beat them easily. Like, it wasn't even – there was not one moment in that game that was fearful at any point. I Like, I have a, I'm in a group chat uh, for my fantasy football league that I've been in for years. I'm in a group chat with all of them, and I would bet half of them are Iowa State fans. Half of them, about half of them. There's a couple that don't care. The other parts are Iowa fans. So like, well, let's let's actually look at this. So this is how the the this is my fantasy football league. This is how we, you know, this week's always a really really fun week. So we've got I'm an Iowa fan. Glenn's an Iowa fan. So there's two. Jake is an Iowa fan. Spencer is an Iowa fan. So there's four Iowa fans. Then we've got Drew is an Iowa State fan. Joel's an Iowa State fan. Kobe's an Iowa State fan. Tyler believes an Iowa State fan. I think the other Tyler's an Iowa State fan as well. And then my friend Ryan, he's a he's an Arkansas fan. So he doesn't really care. He would cheer, he said he would cheer for Iowa State just because of how miserable Iowa can be watched to watch sometimes. And if you weren't raised into it, you know what? I wouldn't really blame you for that. If you were a neutral, if I was a neutral, man, yeah, I'd think about that as well, but I was raised into it. <laughs> my grandpa Roger would never have allowed me to be an Iowa State fan. So I never had a choice. You can't change it. You never had a choice. You were born into it. But if you're a neutral, yeah, makes sense to me. I've watched Iowa for 24 years. Going on 25, and yeah, I wouldn't blame you at all. But this week's always stressful. And last year, like, they weren't saying anything. The Iowa State fans were like, yep, there's nothing to say here. There's absolutely nothing to say here. Brutal game. Iowa State got shat on by I don't even remember what the score was, but the score, if I remember right, was way was a lot more – Nice to Iowa State than what it was. 27-17. Oh, I guess I didn't remember that score. That was the Iowa South Dakota State prediction. Funny how that one worked out. But this game was never close. I remember Peters had a really good throw to, I think it was Charlie Jones. I think it was Charlie Jones. It was on a post route. 
I think it was Charlie Jones. I could be wrong about that because I remember I texted Cole and my dad about that thing happening. Because I thought it was crazy. It's like, that's the best throw Peters ever had. And Peters still in that game didn't play very well. But you know what? <laughs> it, looked, it looked fine. But that game was not, like, there was at one point it was 24-10. Like, it was not a close game. It finished up 27-17 because Kirk Ferentz is getting soft in his old age and is not <laughs> laying the pedal down like he should. But, like, last year before that game, everybody was like, oh, yeah, Iowa State should win. Iowa State should win. Iowa State should win. Iowa State should win. This year, the expectation is, going into this game, I talked to, I, I talked to Drew about this on Thursday of last week. He's like, there's no way we're beating Iowa and Iowa City. That is the exact mindset that I had in going to Iowa-Iowa State last year, and a lot of Iowa fans. I think that's the same for a lot of Iowa State fans this year, that you're not going to go into Iowa City and beat Iowa. doesn't matter if Matt Campbell hasn't beaten Iowa yet, and he, quote-unquote, has to beat them at some point. That's the mindset of Iowa fans last year. It's the mindset of Iowa State fans this year. And if that offense is what – if the two offenses – I know the like they're both FCS schools, SEMO and South Dakota State. South Dakota State would crap on SEMO, and I don't think there's a lot of fans that would dispute that. But I'm not I'm not using that as an example because Iowa still should score more than seven points against South Dakota State. And I believe they would have scored over 14 points if they played SEMO. <laughs> I don't know how many points they would have scored, but so it's a it's not a and that's the most like quote unquote fun Iowa State's ever been week one under Matt Campbell. So that's that's something to be a little bit scared of going into this game. Like, Hunter Deckers looked good. Jareel Brock looked really good. Xavier Hutchinson looked good. We knew about Xavier Hutchinson already. It was the first two that we had somewhat question marks, but it's against SEMO. You should be looking good. And they did. Like, there's a thing where you have to look good, and then people don't look good. Like, there are times like that where it just doesn't work out. Games are supposed to look really, really good, and you just don't. Like Michigan, they played Colorado State yesterday. We talked about this the other day. Between J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara, about who's going to be the starter for Michigan long-term, Cade McNamara did not look very good yesterday against Colorado State. Michigan ended up winning the game fairly easily. It was not particularly a close game. It ended up 51-7. But Cade McNamara was supposed to look really good in that game. Really didn't. Really didn't. 9 of 18, 136, one touchdown. Not really great. And J.J. McCarthy came in for 30 yards, also had 50 yards rushing and a touchdown. J.J. McCarthy's going to start against Hawaii next week, and I think J.J. McCarthy takes the starting job. Like, there's games you're supposed to look really good at, and people do, like Hunter Deckers did against Simo. And there's games you're supposed to do really good, and you don't. Shit happens. And fair play to Hunter Deckers for playing well in that situation. And Iowa State fans, Drew, man, <laughs> Drew brought this up yesterday, about Iowa didn't even recruit Hunter Deckers. That makes me even more scared because he's going to go in super motivated against Iowa. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really looking forward to this game. I was really looking forward to it before the season started, which maybe was negative on my part because again, you're going into a season, going into a new college football season, you're expecting all these different things, and the mindset that I get into is that you can't be worse than last year. I said that when talking about the Iowa off the line. I said it can't be worse than last year. Iowa's offense, it can't be worse than last year. I don't know. I watched Charlie Jones <laughs> go for 130 yards with Purdue against Penn State. Man, I, I'm not surprised why he left. 
I wasn't surprised before he left either, but then watching him against with Purdue. Same with Tyrone Tracy. Tyrone Tracy didn't have the greatest game against Penn State, but I don't blame him for leaving either. I don't blame him for leaving either. And it just sucks knowing that they had Zach Wilson on their roster. They had one of the greatest receiver depth groups they've ever had at the university. Didn't work out. Two of them transferred. And... (laughs) Oh, my God. And that's sad, too, because this team is going to win probably eight games this year, isn't it? Seven, eight, nine games. Uh, that's that's what's going to happen. That is what's going to happen. It's going to be the most – like last year was one of the most – like the fact that Spencer Peters was the quarterback of the number two team in the country is crazy to me. And you could have said that about either team that won that Iowa-Penn State game. Like Sean Clifford's the quarterback of the number two team in the country. But Petrus is worse than Sean Clifford. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Sean Clifford, but he craps on Spencer Petrus. This team won ten games last year, and Petrus is what was he ranked in the Big Ten rankings yesterday or Saturday, like eleventh. His rankings higher than Iowa's win total from last year. What was there was some crazy thing that I saw. Oh, what was it? It was his numbers, like. Oh, what was it? Oh, yeah. Has eight interceptions and one touchdowns in the last one touchdown in his last eight games. One in, eight interceptions and one touchdown. Like, I do not, again, I do not care that he gives us, quote unquote, the better chance to win. I don't care because clearly he doesn't. Is he like Nathan Peterman where he looks really good when it doesn't matter and sucks major ass when it does? Is that the situation we've got going on here? Because if it is, don't I don't want Nathan Peterman starting for my team anytime soon. I sure as hell don't want Spencer Petrus. And who knows, maybe Spencer Petrus does turn it around and become this amazing quarterback by the end of the season, but I don't really see it happening like that. There is not, there's no chance Alex Padilla is this bad. There's no chance he is this bad to the point where he cannot even get a sniff against South Dakota State. There's no way. I refuse to believe he is that terrible. If he is, good Lord. Give Alex Labas a chat a chance. I don't care. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Kate McNamara got to the college football playoff and Michigan's like, you know what, we're going to have a quarterback battle. Spencer Petrus goes one touchdown interceptions. And they're like, you know what? He gives us the best chance to win. That's the, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I don't get it. Oh man, college football's fun though. I do I do enjoy college football, though I hate the way Iowa plays. I do enjoy college football. Oh man, we had some good performances, though uh Iowa was not one of them. We did have some good performances, like Alabama crushed Utah State. A lot of people really thought Utah State would cover that game. There were a lot of bets that thought they would cover. I don't remember what the line was. I think it was 45 was the line. I could be wrong. I think it was 45, but Alabama won 55 nothing. Bryce Young. I, the thing that was beautiful about this game is that Bryce Young showed you how good he is running. The line was 42 and a half, and a lot, or 42. And a lot of people actually thought that they were going to not cover that game. Bryce Young ran for 100 yards. If that's the Bryce Young that we get the entire season, there's no chance he doesn't win the Heisman. If we're getting 100, finally getting some big-time rushing performances from Bryce Young, 
which I believe he can. This is not just a one-off thing. He can do that all the time. We said that when he was going to USC originally, you can listen back to old shows. This dude is that guy. He can run the ball. He just doesn't. Whether it's coaching or he just doesn't feel like he needs to, he's got a crazy arm. Like we brought up like when Jalen Hurts was at Alabama. Jalen Hurts still, though I think he has potential, he has the right mindset, has a lot of limitations in regards to throwing the football. So Alabama, knowing that, was like, you know what? We're going to develop a run-first offense. The thing with Bryce Young and why his rushing numbers aren't so good, he's got the arm talent and the ability to be a pocket passer without needing to run the football at all. I There's no doubt this dude couldn't put up 1,000 yards rushing and 4,000-plus yards passing. There's no reason he can't. Like, this dude is a freaking baller. And I'm so excited to see what he does the rest of the season. I know, I, I know, I know, I know I can hear you say it. It was against Utah State. I'm aware of that. But I wanted a rushing performance from Bryce Young. Is this the first 100-yard game he's had in his career? It's got to be one of them. Yeah, he came nowhere close to that last year. His career, his career high or season high from last year was 42. Bryce Young can run the football. I don't know why they don't let him do that more or why he doesn't do it more, but he can run the football. And he's very talented at running the football. <laughs> I think he's got an insane arm. Freaking cannon. It comes out 1,000 miles an hour every single time. He's not the biggest dude either. That thing comes out fast. <laughs> every single ball is on a frozen rope. That thing comes out at you straight. If it, good Lord, thing comes out fast. But he can move like that. I want to see him do that more this year. I'm excited. And if he does that, there's no way he doesn't win the Heisman. I know. And the other quarterback that a lot of people are hyped about right now, that we've been hyped about, that we said we need to, I want him to do, like now that he's got the opportunity, he's got the chance. It's right there for him. He's got a head coach, a talented head coach. That a very talented running quarterback from the university came from last. I want this dude to take that step because this dude's the most talented quarterback, one of the most talented quarterback in college football, and that's Anthony Richardson. I went on Cole and Company on Friday and said that this game was my pick of the week. Florida against Utah. Utah was a two-point favorite in this game. Is it take Florida going to the swamp at night? That's not easy. And Anthony Richardson is that guy. Anthony Richardson's that guy. If he didn't get hurt against USF last year, he would have been the guy last year too. But he got hurt. Unfortunate. But now he's the guy. And he put up some great plays against Utah on Saturday night. Beautiful. This dude is the guy. He put up 100 yards rushing at three touchdowns, 168 yards passing. Didn't have a touchdown or, a turnover or an interception there either. That's against Utah. One of the top, top defenses in college football. One of the dark horses for the college football playoff. Like we had a, the, the thing on Saturday when talking about the college football playoff thing was that Utah and USC are going to be competing for that. But this game's tough going to the swamp for your first guy. I respect the hell out of Utah for doing it. Not a lot of teams that are quote-unquote dark horses. And I know Florida's not ranked. They will be. They'll probably be ranked around 19 once they get new polls out next week. But Anthony Richardson, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. This dude 
is a ball. We had him at three in our initial rankings. Like when we first came out with quarterback rankings, we had him at three. I moved him down to five because I was like, that's eh, a lot of hype going into the season. I think he can be that. And I should have I should have stuck with it because I do regret that. Because now I look like a freaking coward <laughs> for for moving him down. Because there's like, what if he isn't? And then I rank him super high at the start of the year, and everybody's like, oh, why'd you rank him so high? Five, I think. So I like everybody below five, I was like, oh yeah, he's better than. I don't care. He's better than all of them. There's those two quarterbacks, Levis and Ty, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, that I had struggles with about, do I rank him above them now? I think he's more talented than both of them, but do I rank him above them now in regards to the draft? I don't know. So I had him at five, but spoiler alert, he'll be back at three when we do the quarterback rankings for Wednesday. <laughs> he'll be back at three. <laughs> there's, no, there's no reason he's not. Dude's a baller. Dude's a baller. And I'm really happy that Bill Napier is his head coach. I'm really happy. What he was doing at Louisiana with Levi Lewis, I hope he does similar thing. I hope this continues because this was against Utah. One of the top defensive units in all of college football. Yeah, they lost some key players. Yeah, they lost some key players. But it's still Utah. If this game was in Utah, I think it might have been a little different because Utah is an extremely tough place to play. But going down to the swamp and then feeding off that energy on that offense with Bill Napier, oh, I was excited. This is what we talked about before the season started. About why Florida's so underrated, why no one's talking about Florida. They got talent. They're a talented team. We talk about Auburn being ranked higher than Florida. Why is Auburn Auburn ranked higher than Florida in anything? Are you just looking at the quarterback situation? It's ridiculous. TJ Finley, Zach Calzada versus Anthony Richardson. It's not even close. Just if you look at it like that. But the team that we just talked about with Utah, the team that we're going to get compared to a lot, the team that we flip back and forth between around uh, who's going to make the playoff, their dark horse playoffs, USC, they took care of Rice. Lincoln Riley's offense looks really good. Caleb Williams looks really good. Like it's Caleb Williams is already the number three quarterback in college football going into the season. And a game you're supposed to do well against, they did really well against. He had three incompletions of the game at two touchdowns, also led the team in rushing. 68 yards rushing. You got to look good. Jordan Addison had two touchdowns of the game. Travis Dye only had 20 yards rushing, but again, they dominated the entire game. Once the second quarter started, it was a different game. But Caleb Williams looks good. Caleb Williams looks really, really good. I'm excited to see what they do once they get to conference play. But that game against Utah, again, that game is in Utah on October 15th. That is going to be a freaking bloodbath. That is going to be awesome game. I am so excited for that game now. Because there is that thing, again, it's against Rice. I am aware of that. You have to beat a team like Rice like that when you're a team with high expectations going towards the season. I understand that. It still gets you a little bit excited going to the game. Because there could be that time where it's like, oh, this could be a little bit of a struggle. Because there's a new new guy trying to implement his team. New offense to none of his players. I know he got some recruits and he got Travis Day. Travis Dye, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison. Got some really good players coming through their transfer portal. But it can take some time to implement your system and all that stuff. But they look good. Like NC State, they should realistically have destroyed Eastern East Carolina. They won by one point. Devin Leary didn't play that well in this game. That's a game that NC State, with decently high aspirations for this season and a fairly weak ACC, they should really have no problems against East Carolina. I'm sorry. So that's one of those situations like that. They're ranked higher than USC. They struggled a lot. 21-20 was the final score. Maybe could have lost that game too. Like Houston, they struggled against UTSA, but UTSA is a good team. 
UTSA is a very, very good team. They don't have Sincere McCormick anymore, which is a big loss, but they're still a really good team. One by two points in San Antonio. So, you know what? Fair play to them. Fair play to Houston. Other scores in the top 25 that I think deserve talking about. We didn't really talk. I wanted to talk about this a little bit, but kind of forgot to. Ohio State-Notre Dame, I would like to apologize to Notre Dame for the disrespect that I showed on Saturday. And pretty much every time we talked about this game going into the season. Uh... I mean, they still lost by double digits. I'm not too surprised, but they lost. The loss does not surprise me at all. The fact they lost by double digits doesn't surprise me at all. But I thought Ohio State would beat the brakes off them. I thought they would destroy them. I really thought they'd destroy them. They have a new quarterback coming into the season, and Tyler Butchner played all right. Nothing spectacular, played all right. So I wasn't really expecting a lot going into this. Ohio State, one of the most hyped teams in college football going into the season. A good offensive unit, solid players on defense. Didn't dominate. One by 11, didn't really dominate the game like you were expecting them to, but still won the game. Still won the game. I that Though that one didn't live up to the, the ass-kicking that I was expecting, I still think the same thing that Iowa is going to happen. Like, this is a, like Oregon, Georgia. That's Iowa, Ohio State. 49-3. <laughs> and I'm not really that surprised about it. Georgia's got, or Oregon's got a new head coach coming in. It's Georgia's defense coordinator, old defense coordinator. You got a new quarterback coming in in Bo Nix, which really isn't that much of an upgrade over Anthony Brown. And Bo Nix didn't play very well. I mean, you got Georgia returning not a lot of people on defense, really. You lost a lot of players on defense. I think they had five players drafted in the first round for their defense alone, if I'm remembering right. So what? You had Trayvon Walker, Lewis Seen, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker. Was there one more? Was there one more in there that I'm forgetting about? Or is it just those five? I think it was five. Like, you lose those big names. You lost Kobe Dean as well. You lost Channing Tindall. You lost... Uh, there, was a, there was a few more, but I'm, I'm blanking. Those are the ones I remember. You lost those guys. You would think that most normal universities, most normal college football teams, you lost those guys, those dominant football players, you would struggle to a certain extent. Uh, nope, nope. Nope, George is still very, very good. George is still very, very good. Keely Ringo, really good player. Jalen Carter blew up Oregon's offensive line. Nolan Smith's still there as well. Very good. Tyke Smith's very good as well. Malachi Starks led the team in tackles. Christopher Smith. George is really good. Do I still not rank Stetson Bennett that high, even though he had a really good game against Oregon? Yeah. And he's limited in what he does. He did play very well. He played very well. So I don't want to take anything away from Stetson Bennett in this game. This individual game, but I still am not the highest on Stetson Bennett. But I am, ha- I do, I do like Stetson Bennett. Though I don't rank, I think he's limited in what he can do, but I do like him. I like that he stuck with it. Not a lot of people in his situation would just stuck with it like he did. And him sticking with it got Georgia a national championship. And it got him to continue, to continue starting at Georgia. They got a five-star quarterback in JT, five-star high school transfer from USC in JT Daniels. And Stetson Bennett's the one that led him to a national championship game. Was Stetson Bennett even a star in high school, like stars rating-wise? Like, it's, I give I give Stetson Bennett credit. I do give him credit. I don't want to make it sound like I'm not. I do give him a ton of credit. I just don't think he's that amazing. I think he's limited in what he could do. But he had a great game on Saturday. He had a very, very good game on Saturday. And I'm excited to see what else George does, but I don't think this is – I think everybody expected, like, going into the season, everybody was kind of expecting Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. 
Like when we did this on Saturday, when we were talking about the college football playoff, I was trying to find other teams to get a different cause. We have a different team from each conference, but you just can't. You just can't. Georgia and Alabama, if they lose five stars, we'll replace them with five stars. It doesn't really matter. Do not really matter. <laughs> Georgia looked really good. Georgia looked really good. Texas A&M beat Sam Houston 31-0. Haynes King threw three touchdowns in the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, nothing too surprising. Nothing too, yeah, I mean, Sam Houston State, very good team. Very good team. Won a national championship two years ago, so they're a very good football team. But A&M, yeah, it's Texas A&M and Kyle Field, very tough place to play. So, yeah. Not surprising there. Oklahoma beat up on UTEP 45-13. to We had Dylan Gabriel in his first start for Oklahoma. Two touchdowns in the game. Eric Gray at 100 yards rushing, over 100 yards rushing. Marvin Mims, 81 yards receiving. Braden Willis, two touchdowns, 40 yards receiving as well. Yeah, it's against UTEP. Oklahoma should really have no problems. And they didn't have any problems. Baylor beat up on Albany, 69 LOL to 10. We had Miami destroy Bethune-Cookman, 70-13. to Tyler Van Dyke had himself a very nice game, 193 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, three incompletions. I mean, it's a Bethune Cookman, Cookman. So I'm not gonna sit here and say he had over 500 yards passing. He just, that's a good game. He brought. He didn't play that much. <laughs> he didn't need to play that much. But yeah, he's good. Ty, 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 Tyler Van Dyke's very good. Tyler Van Dyke's good. Wisconsin beat Illinois State 38 nothing. Graham Mertz had two incompletions, had a touchdown in the game as well. Braylon Allen 148 yards rushing, two touchdowns there as well. Arkansas beat Cincinnati 31-24. The boy K.J. Jefferson had himself a nice game. Had 223 yards passing, three touchdowns, also put up 62 yards on the ground. One rushing touchdown there, four total touchdowns, no turnovers. Nice stuff. Nice stuff from K.J. Jefferson. Or he did have a fumble. I, I guess I did forget he had a fumble, yes. <laughs> but no interceptions. No interceptions. No fumbles are more frustrating for coaches than interceptions. Kentucky, they struggled early in this game against Miami, Ohio, but 137-13. Will Levis didn't do a great running the ball, but passing the ball looked pretty good. Like, in the game, he had negative 18 yards rushing. But he'll, he'll have better games than that. But he went 21-32, 303, three, inter- three touchdowns, not three intercepts, three touchdowns. <laughs> but, hey, I know it's against Miami of Ohio, but your first game with all your big guys. So numbers are expected to go down, but he looked good. He did look good. And then we had Ole Miss beat Troy 28-10. Jackson Dart's first start for Ole Miss. Jackson Dart put up 154 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception in the game. Also put up 40 yards on the ground. And then the final game of the top 25 that we haven't talked about was BYU beating the breaks off South Florida 50-21. to I still don't understand Jerry Bohannon's transfer to to USF. They weren't good last year. You left the team that beat Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl, went to a Big 12 championship game, and um, you transferred to USF. I get... Shappen was is probably better, but USF, he had no better offers than USF. Is he from Tampa? No, he's from Arkansas. I, why did he transfer to USF? I guess I never really followed that. That one that one still weirded me out. But Jaron Hall, another talented quarterback for next year's draft, had six incompletions, seven incompletions, two touchdowns, one pick, 261 yards, also had 15 yards on the ground as well. Now, outside of the top 25, North Carolina, Appalachian State, awesome game. Appalachian State was up 21-7 early in the game. And North Carolina came back and won. It's the first, or came back. <laughs> I just think the thing, when you look at, like, the thing that's funny about sports and football in general, like, how people, how deep people get into, like, finding scores. 63-61 to 61 apparently has never been a score in college football. Never. 
Appalachian State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter alone. Too bad it was, wasn't enough. Chase Bryce is still playing college football. For those of you who aren't aware, he's still kicking it. He was Trevor Lawrence's backup. And then went to Duke. And now he's at Appy State. Threw six touchdowns. Six passing touchdowns. Drake May, four passing touchdowns. Also had a rushing touchdown. 76-yard rushing. Dude looking really good at the start of the season. And for those of you who go, oh, it's Appalachian State. Yeah, it's North Carolina. It's not like it's some big-time football powerhouse. They've had good years. And Appalachian State, no slouch either. The Appalachian State was favored in this game. They were the they, North Carolina was the dog going into this. 63-61. Never happened before in college football. Throughout the hundred and thousands of years of college football, <laughs> that's never happened before. That is so strange. That is so, so strange. But one game we're sticking in the ACC that kind of frustrated me to a certain extent was uh, Louisville-Syracuse. And I'm frustrated on the fact that I I picked Louisville in this game, and I watched college game day on Saturday morning, as most most young American boys do. And Desmond Howard said he's going to expect Louisville to beat the brakes off Syracuse, to dominate this game. Malik Cunningham had an insane game. But when I went on Colin Company, and I brought this up on Saturday, when we were doing Saturday show too, Syracuse is a team that lost what, three straight games by three points or around that mark? Had a chance to be 8-1 and one at one point? Like, Garrett Schrader is a very talented quarterback. I don't think he's the most amazing quarterback ever, but he's talented. Sean Tucker is a beast. Like, Syracuse has got some players. Garrett Williams is also a beast at corner. Sean Tucker had 98 yards rushing and 85 yards receiving, two total touchdowns. And for those that were like me, like me, they were expecting Malik Cunningham to ball out, and this was going to be one of his Heisman campaigns. Yep, I think that's dead. I think that's done. I know it's after week one, but you cannot lose to Syracuse by what's that score margin there? I'm, I'm trying to do the quick math here, and, I, and my brain's not working. Was that 14, 24 points? You can't lose to Syracuse by 24 points and have two interceptions, no touchdowns, and lose a fumble. You can't have that. So Malik Cunningham, from the start of the season, so from Saturday to today, <laughs> Malik Cunningham's Heisman campaign is over. I'm sorry, it's over. Especially after watching Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, uh, yeah, it's over. He was my dark horse. I expected him to still have a very good year, but you cannot win the Heisman. I mean, you can, unless Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and all those other guys get hurt. I, I'm not going to 100% rule it out, but I'm about 85% sure now he ain't winning it. <laughs> you cannot lose by 24 points to Syracuse and be a Heisman final, be a Heisman winner. It just can't happen. It can't happen. I know Syracuse is a, decent, is a good football team. They have some good players, but that can't that can't happen. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it can't. And hey, if anybody's if you're disappointed, imagine how I feel. I was telling everybody Malik Will, Malik Cunningham was going to be this awesome quarterback and possibly win a Heisman. His passing and running ability. We've been talking about this for months. This hasn't been like a recent thing. We've been talking about this forever. But then he loses to Syracuse by 24 points and throws two interceptions and fumbles and no touch has no touchdowns. I'm sorry, but it's, it's, it's not happening. It's not happening. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I guess it could. It could happen. Stranger things have happened, I guess. Uh, but, yeah. UCLA played in front of a crowd of 3,000 people on Saturday. <laughs> Pete Bowling Green. 
Oh, man, I'm so excited for UCLA and USC to try and play in Big Ten crowds. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Have them go to Evanston, Illinois, and a sold-out 40,000 seat, whatever the hell the Northwestern Stadium's called. Oh, man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. They said their official st- stats or the stadium capacity was 27,000. Bullshit, it was 27,000. If that's the case, 27,000 people listen to my show. Good Lord, there's no way 20,000 people were at that game. If you have seen the crowd, I know the Rose Bowl is a big stadium, but there is not a chance in hell they had 27,000 people there. No chance in hell. Like James Madison, I bet they had 27,000 people in their stadiums. I bet they did, which is sad. (laughs) But James Madison balled out on Saturday, 44-7. First game in the FBS level. Love it. You and I played them in the playoffs a few years ago. Lost, unfortunately. Liberty won without Malik Willis. Jack Plummer got hurt. out for the season. At least I believe he's out for the season. I think he broke his arm. One in four overtimes. Or one in, in overtime. Uh, cool. It's cool stuff there. Uh, what other games happened that I should uh, should point out? Texas, they beat Louisiana Monroe. Quinn Ewers' first game starting for Texas. Uh, got his car towed, which is pretty cool. First game starting for Texas. You're the number one high school recruit of all time. And you lose to... Or you win... You win the battle, but you lost the war. Now you don't have a car. <laughs> you play one game a week. You drive your car every day. So you won the battle, sure, but you lost the war. And then the final game I guess we'll talk about here is you and I versus Air Force. Uh, score surprised me. Score surprised me, not going to lie. I, I am surprised by the final score. I did not think you and I would lose that bad. But then again, I'm looking at it from the fact that We've taught I, I shouldn't be that surprised because there's no way you can correctly prepare for this. And Air Force broke off some massive runs in this game. Some massive runs. You and I's offense looked good for portions, but they just can I mean Air Force is just a consistent team. They're a very consistent offense. They're a very consistent just team in general. And they beat the brakes off you and I. So I'm not surprised Air Force won by double digits. I'm not surprised by that at all. I don't remember what our final score prediction was. I'm trying to remember what we said, but just you and I, I'm just trying to picture you and I trying to prepare for this game, and it makes, it's kind of hard to to picture it, given how you and I's offense works, and given that they have real, no real threats running the ball, in regards to scouting it properly, scout, scout team will not be able to run Air Force's offense like Air Force, they can't, it is impossible, no matter how confident you are in your scout team, there's not, there's no way they're going to be able to perform like that in practice. You could have three years to prepare for that game, and I promise you, you're not going to win that game. You're not going to win that game because you're you're not prepared. You're not prepared for the speed. You're not prepared for the cuts. You're not prepared for anything that Air Force is going to throw at you or run at you, I guess. And that's what happened. Azeek Daniels, uh, 100 yards passing, which is strange for Air Force, but he also had 107 yards rushing. Brad Roberts, 114 yards rushing there as well. John Lee Eldridge, 85 yards. Jalen Johnson, 80 yards. Dane Kane, Dave Kinneman, 77 yards. Like, they were just big runs after big runs, touchdowns after touchdowns. There's not really a lot to talk about here. I think that you and I's offense, just like we're talking about positives here, because I, I did not expect you and I to win this game. But when we're talking about positives, you and I's offense did look good, especially on the first drive. They stalled out the begin- the end of the first drive, towards the end of the first drive, but they did look good. Theo Day played well. There's not really a lot you can do. Defense just couldn't do anything against Air Force. I, I respect Air Force fully. 
They're a very, 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 very good football team. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm not really surprised by that. Drake, they played North Coast State, which is just strange to think about that game happening. I know Drake is an FCS team, but this game I never really saw ever happening. And it happened, and North Coast State unsurprisingly dominated the game. This is an example. Like, for people who don't watch FCS football, this is an example of an SEC team. This is this is this is Alabama versus Rice. That's this game. <laughs> like Rice is an FBS school, yes, but they will never in a hundred years beat Alabama. Drake in a hundred years will never beat North Dakota State. I'm sorry, it won't happen. <laughs> I liked Drake football a lot growing up. I loved Drake basketball. Went to a ton of Drake basketball games. But uh, yeah, that game was uh, one of the more predictable games <laughs> of the of the weekend. But it's just a big-time college football program at the FCS level taking on a team that's in a smaller conference. I think Drake would win in basketball, if that means anything, because North Dakota State in basketball is not in a very big conference either. I don't remember what basketball conference they're in. They're not in the Missouri Valley, which is – I, the Missouri Valley Football Conference and the Missouri Valley Conference are two very different things, and it is weird to explain. Like, South Dakota State's not in the Missouri Valley. South Dakota's not in the Missouri Valley. North Dakota's not in the Missouri Valley. North Dakota State's not in the Missouri Valley. But then Evansville, I don't even know if they have a football team. Belmont's in the Missouri Valley. Uh, Valparaiso is in the Missouri Valley. Drake is in the Missouri Valley, but they're in the Pioneer for football. So it's just the Missouri Valley Football Conference, though they start off with the same two words, Missouri Valley, and have conference in there. The big thing in there is that there's a football in the football conference and not in the normal conference, which is very strange. That I don't, it, I don't know why it works like that, but that's how it does. Maybe, maybe Evansville, Valparaiso, and all these other schools. Does Valparaiso have a football team? I for, I I was on ESPN Plus yesterday. I totally forgot Georgetown had a football team. They played Marist. Did anybody even know Georgetown had a football team? I never, I've never once thought about Georgetown as a football team, not once. And then I sat there and watched, wow, they're playing Marist. One game that did surprise me, though, from the Missouri Valley Conference, Incarnate Word blowing the brakes off Southern Illinois. 64-29. How the hell did that happen? Southern Illinois is a good football team. They got destroyed. They got absolutely manhandled. Now you got North Dakota. They were tied 7-7 at halftime against Nebraska. South Dakota got blown up by Kansas State. Taylor Martinez. Taylor Martinez. Jeez, that's a throwback. Adrian Martinez. But, man. <laughs> okay, back to the topic. Does Valparaiso have a football team? Is that a thing? Is Valparaiso, do they have a Oh, jeez, we got Jackson State versus Florida a playing right now. Shadur Sanders, five passing touchdowns. Shadur Sanders is a baller. Shadur Sanders is absolutely a baller. 323 yards passing. Fourth quarter basically just started. We're four minutes into the fourth quarter. I have to know. I have to know. I'm gonna. I could just search this, but I'm gonna scroll through ESPN. Campbell beat the Citadel. Not a lot of people were expecting that one. I. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maybe they were. Maybe that was the expected outcome. Samford beat Kennesaw State. That's somewhat surprising. Kennesaw State, an option school, consistently in the FCS playoffs. Oh, what what game was it? It was a. Uh, I think it was. Uh, South Carolina State versus UCF, their punter was like in he couldn't decide if he wanted to fake it or run or punt it, and he punted like five yards past the line of scrimmage. Was that that game? 
because that surprised me. That was funny. Uh, Central Arkansas played Missouri State. Missouri State won Mil- Will McIlvain, who was playing Missouri State in the four. You and I's former quarterback. Uh, 173 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Got lit up in the game as well. Lit absolutely up. Now, Missouri State's a good team. Missouri State's a good team. So Central Arkansas is an all right team, but Missouri State's a good football team. Keep scrolling. We gotta try and find out if this school exists for football. Cause that would that would make this even stranger about the Missouri Valley Conference being this cluster of teams. There's Georgetown Marist, Georgetown 143-12. That I still am blown away by that game. What other games are there that are come on, give me Valparaiso. Stonehill versus Bloomsburg. What the hell is that? That that's it. Those are two FCS schools. What I have news to me, news to me. Keep scrolling. Houston Baptist, they won. Talked about Houston Baptist a little bit. Miles College. It's so crazy how weird like the FCS is with some of these football schools or football teams. Like there's some very strange ones. I feel like I've heard of Lane before. Belper, they have a football team. They have a, what the hell, what conference are, oh, they're in the Pioneer League. I knew that. I've watched them play Drake. I knew they were in the Pioneer League. Why did I forget about that? Does Evansville have a football team? I know Evansville's not in the Pioneer League. Does Evansville have a football school? Are they a football school? JID went to Hampton. They won on Saturday. JID, really good album. I recommend listening to the Forever Story if you haven't already. Very, very good album. Would I give it album of the year, though? I'm not sure. I really like Kendrick's album, too. Joey Battis' album is really good as well. Denzel Curry's album is very good as well. A very good year for rap albums. Very good year. So it doesn't look like Evansville has a school has a football team. I knew Valparaiso was in the freaking Pioneer League. I, once I clicked on Valparaiso, it clicked in my head. I knew they were in the – Davidson's in the Pioneer League. Butler's in the Pioneer League. San Diego. And we got – the Pioneer League is the weird – it's like the Big Ten of the SCS. And when I say that, I'm not saying the level of conference, but I'm talking about it's literally coast to coast. we got San Diego, Jackson, Jacksonville. What the hell – how does that work? And then Drake just sitting in the middle of all of it. Like in the Big Ten, we got UC – not right now, but USC, UCLA, and then Rutgers. Why the hell is that a thing? Big 12 of a BYU and Provo, Utah, and UCF and Orlando. That's going to happen here soon. And the Pioneer League, we got San Diego State and Jacksonville. <laughs> the Dolphins. And their their uniforms are a lot less cool than the, the retro Miami Dolphins uniforms. Oh, wait, what? Where's Jacksonville? Are they not in the are they not in the Pioneer League anymore? What? The Stetson Hatters. That's a school and a half right there. The Stetson Hatters. It's an S with a hat in it, not on it. Uh, you would kind of expect the hat to be on it, wouldn't you? Nope, it's sitting in it. Is Jacksonville Jack? Did Jacksonville just not play this week? Or are they not in the Are they not in the Pioneer League anymore? Where's Jacksonville at? Does Drake still play? Huh? I guess Jacksonville's not in there anymore. So they've made, they've somewhat made the conference reasonable. I don't know where Stetson is, though, so I, I guess that could be wrong. I have no idea where Stetson Stetson is. Does it say here? Oh, that's Dellen, Florida. Okay, we're still in Florida. Or is Stetson, that's the same color as Jacksonville. Is Jacksonville still a... Hold on. 
is there a part? There's a part of me that feels like this used to be Jacksonville. <laughs> nope, they were first season in 1901. Pioneer Football League. Let's see where the yeah, this conference is so weird. Just look at the conference map if you haven't. Past members: Jacksonville University. What you know? What conference are they in now? The A Sun. That's their new conference. They left the Pioneer League for the A Sun. Man. Well, they haven't been in the Pioneer League for two years. Are they even a team right now? No, they they're not a team anymore. Okay. <laughs> There's not a they're not a pro, they don't have a football team anymore. So that's probably why we couldn't find them. They don't even have a football team. First season, 1998. Last season, 2019. Very long and historic program that one's like Wichita State's football program. I'm pretty sure like Bill Parcells played for Wichita State. Which is very weird to think Wichita State at all had a football program, but they did at one point. So much so that Bill Parcells played for him. And I love like looking back at like those old school like like uh Bill Russell, rest in peace to Bill Russell, but playing for San Francisco. Like all the Scotty Pippen playing for an NIIA team and getting drafted in the top ten. Like just things like that and the old like Back in the 20th century where these schools where players would get drafted from. Not even just in, like, basketball. There were some strange football ones, too. Some strange football ones. Like, there was a quarterback from Colgate back when Randall Cunningham and Boomer Esiason got drafted. I don't remember the dude's name. I don't remember the dude's name. But he went to Colgate, went to the USFL, that folded, and then didn't really have a career after that. Now that's bothering me. What what was his name? Because he was somewhat hyped. For a little bit, Colgate Raiders, they just lost to, I believe, Stanford. Do they have a, would he be considered a famous alumni? I don't remember his name. It's probably not even going to be in here. That's a long list. I did not really know Colgate had this historic franchise. I, I could be just completely ignorant to that fact, but. Damn it, he's not in here. Uh, da, 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 da. I need to find... Now this is bothering me. Now this is just flat out bothering me. When was Randall Cunningham drafted? Because I believe it was that draft. I could be wrong. Because Randall Cunningham was drafted in the second round. There's not there's not a very great quarterback draft, at least at that time. At least that perceived at that time. God, I hate how they do this. He was, he was drafted like the 17th round or something. Or did he go undrafted? Wow, this is really bothering me now. Oh, Doug Flutie was drafted around 11 of this draft. That's crazy. This is probably the most boring. Steve Calabria! There we go. We found him. We found him, ladies and gentlemen. He was drafted in the ninth round. <laughs> Colgate. Oh, man. I think with that much excitement, just ending the show like that, I think we just got to end it there. I think we just got to end it there. I don't think we're going to cap that much excitement off. I don't think we can follow that excitement up at all. Uh, apart maybe from this, uh, Moody, Eric and Moody, I don't know who you are. I'm sorry if I should know who this is. He's verified on Twitter, so maybe I should. Nobody wants to admit it, but Davis Mills and Brandon Cooks could be this year's version of Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Nope. <laughs> it's not. It is not. It is not. <laughs> Oh my god. I don't know if we said this on Saturday, but Jalen Rager got traded to the Vikings. And there's a there's that video of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman laughing about uh 
Jalen Rager getting passed or taken before Justin Jefferson, and now he's on the Vikings. And they cut Amir Smith-Marset, and a lot of Vikings fans are upset about that. But that's neither here nor there. Jalen Rager, the Eagles got more for Jalen Rager than the Cowboys did at Amari Cooper, which is ridiculous. But that's where we are in the league right now. Ugh. Man, that was exciting. That last little bit was so exciting. I loved it so much. But uh, for Wednesday's show, I just like to give a quick preview for that. We're going to have our week one quarterback rankings for the season. For the NFL draft, we've already said Anthony Richardson is number three on that list, so make sure you listen in to figure out where all the other quarterbacks we ranked on that list. Have some new faces in there as well. I have the rankings done, but I need to get the descriptions done and everything like that as well. We'll have that ready for you on Wednesday. And yeah, hope you enjoyed this episode of the Logan Blackman Show. Again, make sure you're following on every single form of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, you're listening right now, so make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify account. Leave a rating out of five stars on both. Leave a description down below on both. Tell us why you feel the way you do about the show, and I will see you all later. Peace.